Welcome to the rotten round table. <laughs> Welcome to the HorrorCast. We are a horror movie discussion podcast, and we have two basic types of episodes. Episodes where we give a deep dive into two or more horror films, sometimes wrapped around a theme, and episodes like this, Rotten Roundtables, where we talk about horror film news, releases, and where we discuss the horror films we've recently watched. Uh, in this case, there's only going to be two of us, so we're mostly just going to be talking about horror films that we watched. Uh, fair warning, we try to our best not to spoil newer films, but we do reserve the right to spoil older ones, so proceed with caution. I'm one of your hosts tonight, Revenant Vin, recording out of Connecticut. Uh, two of our co-hosts, like I said, couldn't join us tonight. Tammy had to work, and Mark Nato had some other obligations. So in this episode, you're stuck with me and with Jessica, who is speaking to us from Oregon. Please say hi, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> sorry that you <laughs> sorry that you guys are stuck with me apparently according yes. to <laughs> that's right this this will be the episode of raw sex appeal just the two of us we'll say that <laughs> yes. okay. if that helps um, <laughs> so usually mark uh runs these types of episodes and he comes with um a list of new releases for the month. Um, and also he tries to look up some news on things like Bloody Disgusting. Uh, we just looked on Blood, Bloody Disgusting before hitting the record button, and we didn't see anything interesting. <laughs> it was all just <laughs> things that were going to be released on Screenbox, and uh, there was no interesting news. And um, I do not follow the new releases. So, uh, you know, we'll have to wait for, for Mark to... Um, possibly share that or else you'll just be left to your own devices if you're listening to this. Uh, mm -hmm. We are pretty much going to jump right into the Rotten Roundtable portion of things where we're going to take turns bringing up movies that we've recently watched and giving not full in-depth reviews necessarily, but giving our thoughts. Um, and like I said, if it's a newer film, we'll try not to spoil it. Um, you know, at least minor spoilers here and there we will allow so that we can discuss the film, but uh, nothing major. And if it's an older film, we may we may spoil some things and by older. We mean like 20 years or older generally. Um, so that's it. Uh, Jessica, you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So why don't you come in with your first movie? We'll get you started. Okay. Well, let's see. My first one that I'm going to bring up is a newer release on Netflix called run rabbit run. Um, I believe that this has one of the actresses from that show that everybody's obsessed with right now. Um, Succession. If I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure this is a movie that Mark had referenced um, in relation to one of those actresses. But this follows a mother and her daughter. The mother is single, but um, the father isn't estranged. We see him kind of, you know, come over for special events like the daughter's birthday and such. Um, they seem to be like good friends still. And he has 
his new wife and they're having a new baby and all these things. And the, the character that we're following, the single mother, she is having to deal with the recent loss of a family member. Um, and also currently she has another family member that is kind of uh, their mental health and, um, and their physical health really are going down the drain as well. So she's kind of struggling with that and it's bringing back all of these memories of her childhood and past trauma. Um, and we see that her daughter is kind of involved in a way. I think it, it's a lot of, uh, probably metaphor, you know, that's being kind of um, hoisted on her daughter as like this, this traumatic cycle um, having to do with family. So um, I, I found it really interesting. Um, it did actually, it was a little predictable, but there were, there were some moments when it really surprised me and went somewhere I wasn't expecting. Um, the ending is one of those that kind of, uh, is lackluster for me personally, you know, I feel like you might agree with me on this where we're like, yeah, I was, I was on board. And then they just kind of, you know, dropped it right at the end. Um, but it's not a terrible ending. So it didn't ruin the experience for me. Um, yeah, I would rec, I would recommend that people give this one a watch. Um, it's not, it's not like super original, but it's also, it's not too overly done. It is kind of the creepy kid trope thing that they're going for and that aspect of it doesn't really work for me um but there are some other creepy things going on that do work for me so i guess it just kind of depends on if you really hate creepy kid movies and maybe it's not going to do anything for you but um but i thought it had some other elements going for it that that it didn't solely depend on the creepy kid you know to carry the movie yeah i'm usually not affected by creepy kids <laughs> yeah you know, i'm, I'm, I'm a, pretty indifferent to those mo- type of movies right uh, i do find this... like every once in a while there'll be an effective one like the, uh the orphanage is that what it's called the orphanage the, the orphanage. spanish or the orphan or the orphanage one. yeah that one's awesome is it the orphanage yeah that one creeps me out for sure yeah, but one of my for the most part oh, me too well that was a question i wanted to ask you is this like a supernatural type of horror or is it more like psychological and Uh, You know, it's kind of hard to tell because the single mother is kind of falling apart, you know, so it's hard to tell if it is psychological or if it is supernatural. I think I know where you're going with this. It's probably the trope that I hate. So, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it might also be that. Um, It might be a little bit of both. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they Um, kind of, it seems like they're kind of leaving it to you to figure out which one you like. Um, but it's not terrible and the acting was pretty good. I'll probably still check it out, but, uh, okay. (laughs) Run rabbit run on Netflix, right? Mm, Yes. Okay. Uh, so the first one I'll bring up is one that I know you also saw, and this is a pretty recent release on shutter. Um, unwelcome. Mm, Uh, this is a production from Ireland in the UK. Uh, directed by John Wright, who, who had done um, 2012's Grabbers. Did you see that one at all? No, I don't think Irish so. Irish monster film about like, these tentacle monsters that are attacking people. Um, no, I think I've of heard ocean. of it before, though, and I it's thought, fun. that sounds right up my alley. <laughs> it's fun. It's kind of like sci-fi horror, and it's it, it's actually got a nice like sense of humor about it. I really enjoyed Grabbers, so I was pretty excited when I saw this was the guy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so here's a synopsis that I 
stole from online. Um, it says, <laughs> a couple escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland, only to hear stories of mysterious creatures who live in the gnarled ancient woods at the foot of their garden. As warned by their new neighbors, the creatures come when called to help souls in dire need of rescue. But it's crucial to remember that there's always a dear price to pay for their aid. Uh, not a bad synopsis there. Mm. Um, it's definitely a different take on folk horror. Uh, and I believe the director had pitched this as gremlins meet straw dogs. And I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. Uh, <laughs> we, we have a film that it opens, I'll just kind of give my thoughts and you can kind of give your version of things if you want, like yeah. wherever you yeah, disagree totally. um, or agree. <laughs> uh, so this film, it opens up actually with a pretty brutal attack on a couple. Um, Again, this is like a minor spoiler. It's the very first thing that happens uh, by like London gang members. Um, it, but it lets you know that it's prepared to take some serious, you know, uh, scenes and take it basically to some dark places. I think yeah. that's kind of a good move because after that, for a good majority of the film, after the couple moves to Ireland, the story kind of takes on more of a lighter tone. And mm -hmm. I couldn't quite tell for a lot of it if I was supposed to take it seriously or not. Because uh, right. it has such that brutal opening that it, I felt like a tonal shift happened. Yeah. Um, when the folk aspect does come in, uh, and it, when it really hits its stride with that, I think it turns into a really great ride. And the reveal of like the little people um, <laughs> that are in the uh, <laughs> in the synopsis, they call them red caps um, that live in the forest. Yeah. It's really well done. I think they look fantastic. And I don't want to go too much into the way they look, because I think that it's it's probably one of the rewards of watching the movie is seeing yeah. them and seeing them in action. I thought that stuff was really great. Uh, plus, this is a movie we got Colm Meany, um, who had a prominent role in Star Trek Next Generation. Well, not prominent role, but in, in D-Space <laughs> 9, it was more prominent. So it was great to see some Trek alumni in there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're a Trek. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you forget that? I don't know. <laughs> I try to work it in as many episodes as I can. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I, I, I did enjoy this, but I did think that there were some things that held it back for me. And maybe we'll see if you agree with these or not. Um, okay. I thought the lore behind the little people was just never really explored enough or explained mm -hmm. enough. Um, yeah, like I agree with that. <laughs> like I started getting worried a little bit, like uh, even though the local townsfolk seem to know about them, they don't mm -hmm. seem to believe in them except for one person. Uh, and this isn't really consistent with some stuff that we see of the creatures. Like they seem to like kill random trespassers in their forest. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and like, I figured that kind of thing would happen a lot more in this small town where there's like three dozen people, it seems. Um, and their home actually appears to be fairly easy to find <laughs> once they actually find it. Like the forests in Ireland aren't that big. <laughs> you know, it's a fairly <laughs> yeah. small island nation and they've cut down most of their forests. So I don't know what <laughs> it's hard to get lost, I think, in a lot of those woods. Um, right. We kind of have also some uh, outrageous turns at the end of the film, which on the one hand, I thought were really cool. But because the lore hadn't really been established, I was left scratching my head yeah. and trying to figure out kind of what the hell was going on. Like yeah, I couldn't totally. like get super excited about what I was seeing because I didn't really understand where it was going. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I agree with that as well. Okay. <laughs> I've also wrote down there's some tonal inconsistencies. I think a darker tone throughout the film would have actually raised the tension quite a bit. Yeah. And um, the middle of the film kind of feels like it goes on a bit long. 
by the time we start getting these red caps on screen, these little people, I found mm -hmm. myself wishing they had shown up a lot earlier in the runtime. Yeah. Um, but I think this is definitely a movie worth watching and that horror films will enjoy it. But I can't help but think that the movie could have been even greater with like a tighter script and a darker tone. Um, there, there were some really cool things in here, but it's just it's a little bit of a jumble. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What do you want to add? Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. I think the biggest problem is just like the tonal shifts throughout. Um, and honestly, even the dark stuff, it almost seems too brutal. Like it just seems like everybody is out to get this couple for no reason. Yeah. You know, like the most terrible things are happening to them no matter where they go. And so that part of it did kind of bother me. I'm like, it's too much. But also, whenever they tried to inject some humor into it, it just kind of, it wasn't working because of all the terrible things that are happening to them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it definitely would have been better if it had stayed darker, but maybe not like... Um, Super brutal for absolutely no reason from every single character. <laughs> yeah, it's if it's that one makes of those, sense. Yeah, because it's like there were certain parts where I was kind of laughing at the movie. Yeah, because like, what from what I've seen in the film, you know, but like laughing in like the way a horror fan does when they see certain things on screen. Um, mm -hmm. But I wasn't quite sure if I was actually supposed to be finding it funny. Right. And then there were other times when things were like super serious, and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to find that funny, and I wasn't. You know. So, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I couldn't quite tell where the line was with it. but Yeah, I felt the same way. Now, obviously, it does look really beautiful. It's really vibrant. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's actually filmed in Ireland. It did appear to be because every time I see an Irish movie, it's like as beautiful as this one is. <laughs> um, but so I'm not I'm not sure. But it looks great. Um, I was really excited with the cast, you know, I know most of these actors from one thing or another, and I thought that, you know, with what they were given, they did a good job. Um, it just feels like one of those movies that has a lot of potential, and so I can't help be, but be a little let down by it, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because of the tonal shifts throughout. But I definitely would also recommend that people check it out, and I agree that the creature design is super cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's very much the way that they film it. And, you know, yeah, I'm trying to say what spoilers, but um, yeah. it reminds me of the uh, the minions in The Gate. <laughs> um, because it's not a bunch of CGI people. It's like actual like actors on oversized sets. And I think they're using forced perspective in different ways. So um, oh, I really got a, a kick out of that. Um, oh, that's <laughs> cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's more old school filmmaking. And it, well, that makes it really sense. works to its favor. Yeah, um, that's always going to work better. Mm -hmm. in my opinion. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I watched this one with a friend and she thought that they were really cool too. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of want more, more movies with them. Um, they seem right. like, it, it feels like the, you know, almost like the pilot to a series. Like it's just when it starts to get interesting, the movie mm -hmm. ends. And I'm kind yeah. of like, I kind of wish there was like an episode two that I can go on to. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> totally. Uh, so, what about your, your next movie? All right. My next movie I'm going to bring up, uh, just so everybody knows, I've been watching a bunch of, like, 2B originals, um, which I know is uh, an odd choice. Um, but basically, I'm watching, uh, like, 100 bad movies to get to, like, 
three good movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Search for that diamond and, in the rough. Yeah. Yeah. And some and some okay movies. Uh, mostly just because I totally missed the boat on Tubi Originals the last couple of years. And there's so many coming out that I just feel kind of like I should be catching some of them. Um, so one of the movies that I caught on there is called Baby Blue. And it follows a group of teens who stumble across the story of a now dead serial killer called Baby Blue. Um, and they decide he'd be the perfect subject of a true crime pod or vodcast, not a podcast. Uh, but when they start digging, they quickly discover that his murder spree never stopped. Now they are being targeted from beyond the grave. Um, so this interesting is premise. Yeah, it is an interesting premise, um, and there are definitely some cool aspects of it, although it's also got that same problem as the movie that we just discussed, where the tonal shifts really throw you off, um, and it is, it's not like a found footage, but it's, you know, it's kind of filmed like they're making a documentary type of thing, and so a lot of it is, you know, through their camera or kind of moving around a little bit, Um but then some of it's just recorded like they're recording a regular movie. So it's it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, so there's like the, found footage in there, but it's not all found footage. Is that yes, what you mean? Yeah, okay. there is also found. Yeah, there is found footage in it as well. Um, and that's kind of how they they come upon the story a little bit. Um, so, yeah, the story and the premise is really cool. The execution is definitely not perfect and it definitely seems low budget. Um, but I still had a lot of fun with it and some of it is supposed to be fun, you know, and then some of it is supposed to be serious, you know, so it does, it gets kind of confusing and there's one character or performance in particular that is just above and beyond ridiculous, you know, when all these other characters feel a little more grounded. And so that kind of throws you off too, but I don't know. I had fun with it anyway for what it was and it was at least original um i haven't seen a bunch of other movies like this with this kind of a premise so i would if you're feeling brave um and you don't hate low budget <laughs> movies <laughs> from tubi i would suggest people check it out at least for a one-time watch this sounds like a cool premise yeah and i actually thought that the cast except for the one person that i referred to i thought that they did a pretty good job um they didn't make it feel more low budget. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm -hmm. you watch something that's like pretty underground and you're like, okay, uh, this, you know, <laughs> this feeling of it being low budget is enhanced by these performances not being great. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't, yeah. that wasn't really the case here, in my opinion. Yeah, bad performances can really break a film. Um, totally. Unfortunately. Uh, so I mean, that's a good segue to the next film. If you're done with that one. I, I am, can... done. I am. <laughs> Okay. Yes. So speaking of bad performances, I did watch the new <laughs> Children of the Corn, uh, which I guess originally was supposed to be released in 2020. And then I don't know if it got stuck in, I don't know, some kind of limbo, but it finally got released in on Shudder of all things. I don't understand how it's got on Shudder. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, an American film directed by Kurt Wimmer, um, who mostly does action films. His 2002 uh, movie Equilibrium they had Christian mm -hmm. Bale. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I love yeah, that movie. That was a pretty good one, right? That was like a, a straight-to-DVD, I think, sci-fi film. Uh, but it was oh, pretty wow. good. Uh, you'd have no idea this is the same guy, though, watching this. Yeah. Uh, so the synopsis, 
Um, possessed by a spirit in a dying cornfield, a 12-year-old girl in Nebraska recruits other children in her small town to go on a bloody rampage and kill all the adults and anyone else who opposes her. Soon, a bright high school student who won't go along with the plan becomes the town's only hope for survival. Now, you would actually have to read that synopsis to understand some of the stuff that's actually happening in this film because it is not well told. Uh, <laughs> this movie was terrible. Um, it, it was really bad. Uh, badly written, badly acted, badly edited, badly paced, bad, bad, bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's just one of the first lines in the movie. Um, a teenager, he walks out of the cornfield and he says to this girl, nothing really dies in the corn. But guess what? <laughs> People die in the corn in this movie. Um, right. <laughs> even though it's like, it's they try and bring it back at the end again. And you're like, what the hell is this? Uh, but that guy who walks out, that teenager who walks out of the corn, we see him right in the very beginning of the movie. He stabs an adult. Um, and I guess he 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 holds up. I guess what was an orphanage. It's not really explained. Mm. Um, and it's weird that this tiny town out in the Midwest would have this large orphanage inside their town. Mm -hmm. uh, but the sheriff, in the very beginning, this is all within the first few minutes, decides to gas the place um, in order to get this this teenager with a knife, and he ends up killing a bunch of kids inside the orphanage. Right. Um, and none of this is really explained or clearly shown. And mm. like, there's a shot of like the sheriff basically complaining that people are angry because he killed some kids. Like it is just absolutely stupid. Uh, <laughs> the synopsis says that the 12 year old girl is possessed by a cornfield spirit, but it's never really clear there. Uh, you're, that's not at all clear inside the film. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just weird choices. Like I just have to talk about some of these scenes. Um, yeah. There's an early scene where these kids have another kid tied up he's got his hands tied behind his back and he's walking like a plank from a like a, a corn silo that's like at least two stories high and okay. which is a very dangerous height and he's yeah. being prodded by another kid who has like this giant drill bit he's like stabbing him basically in the side mm -hmm. and he's supposed to walk off the corn walk off the plank and land in a pile of corn stalks that are supposed to break his fall those things are hard yeah, like, this is this is an this is absolutely a fall that could kill this kid. Right. Yet nobody shows any concern at all for his safety. Like they're all laughing. Even the people who are supposed to be responsible. Nobody thinks that this is like a bad idea. But nobody's under the influence of the corn yet. Like <laughs> like nothing supernatural has happened yet. Nothing weird has happened yet. This is just what they do. And it's just like really weird, bad filmmaking. You're like you're you're forgetting the yeah. fact this kid like is in a mortal mortal peril right now and nobody's right. taking it seriously. It's just weird choices right. like that. Uh, <laughs> there's a scene that is so absolutely ridiculous where adults are pointing and laughing at the children in a town meeting and the acting and the insert shots are just the most incompetent thing I've seen all year on screen. Oh no. Uh, and that includes like the kind of like terrible TikToks my son tries to show me on his phone. Uh, <laughs> this is, this stuff's bad. Uh, oh no like a, a random jump scare of a girl's face changing while she holds a flashlight up to it that's mm. never explained or seen again or given any relevance uh the kids <laughs> they somehow overpower like the the dozen adults that are in the town i guess that's all the town has like a dozen adults um but that's also never explained how they overpower them and the yeah. kids motivations really aren't clear they don't really make sense um there are just so many moments we'll be trying to figure out what's happening uh and figure out what you're seeing they turn like he who walks behind the rose, which has like mm -hmm. this kind of, it does have this kind of mystical sound to it. I always love the sound of that thing. Yeah. Um, and they just change it into he who walks. And he's like this Groot-like corn monster that goes to the, the, the corn. 
Um, just this movie is amazingly bad, and I don't know how the hell Shutter ended up streaming something like this. Oh no! Um, it's I, I'm not I'm not overselling how bad this movie is. It's really bad. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't recommend anybody see it at all. Uh, but it is <laughs> dumbfounding that this that sounds great. That Shutter picked this thing up. I don't know who lost a bet that this <laughs> get on there. So, I'm gonna continue anyway, I'm, I'm to ranting. avoid it. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was bad. Great. Have you seen all the <laughs> previous Children of the Corns? Oh, I think I saw the first four, maybe. Okay. I haven't, like, I haven't kept up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Once you've seen the first few, you kind of have seen them all, I think. Uh, right. They get pretty repetitive. Um, Funny. You know, it's like, I, I, once it was like corn in the city or something like that, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much done with this. They just like stick corn stalks, like, you know, in some high rise building or something. Oh my god, yeah. that's hilarious! Like, I, I see. I, I do have a fondness for the original Children of the Corn. Yeah, um, I don't think that it's a great movie, but I also don't think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I think it has some really interesting ideas and some really cool moments. Like it's, it doesn't all come together great. There's some cheesiness to it, absolutely, but uh, I still think it's a movie that is worth watching and having fun with. And yeah. I actually think it's. I wrote a review for it for my blog years back, but. I think it's a pretty good gateway horror for younger horror fans. Mm. Um, I think if you see it like kind of at a younger age, it's actually, um, I wouldn't just say more effective because you're naive, but I just mean like, you know, uh, uh, the kind of things that you see in that movie, I think are prescient for a younger mind. I I don't know. I don't It's, I write about it more effectively in the blog. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, totally well and like you know, touching it's... back on creepy kids i think having like an army of creepy kids and just that idea of them turning on the adults in the fashion yeah, that they the do is, is a lot creepier than in, in the original show in the corner it's kid. not it's not just about the kids being creepy it's about yeah. extremism it's about zealotry it's right. being, like the kids basically are part of a cult yeah, you know, and you and that's the kind of thing. It's like it's like rural isolation and cult. Mm-hmm. Think you know that's the stuff that makes it creepy. That's what makes it like you know kind of Midwest American Gothic, and they take away the religious aspect out of this movie entirely. It doesn't play any role at all. It's not like a cult thing. And mm-hmm. when this little girl starts having a following, you don't understand why. It's right. not explained. Like these kids are they under a spell? That that's never said. Do they just think mm-hmm. this girl is like so freaking influential? That's never said. We don't know why these all these students are like following this girl, you know? Um, right. So you don't have like this weird kind of dark charisma like you mm-hmm. had for the Isaac character in the original. You know, yeah. this 20-something-year-old actor who still looks like a 12-year-old, but you can tell there's something wrong there. You know, he's... Right. Um, which was so effective. You know, you got Malachi, who's just this unhinged... You know, yeah. redheaded kid wielding a sickle. Uh, you don't right. get like a Malachi character either. You know, it's but I think that's that's one of the lessons I think that a young person could watch Children of the Corn and kind of get is like the the dangers of extremism, the dangers mm-hmm. of, you know. So anyway, anyhow, like that's the stuff that I think that this is still a story that could one day be told really well. <laughs> yeah. And it still has not been told well. So what a bummer. Do you know yeah. what number this is, by the way? <laughs> uh, oh, I think it's like a reboot. So I don't think oh. it exists. Okay. It, it's like, this is like a prequel. But oh, it's one that, it you know, instead of Isaac, it's a 12-year-old girl. Instead of, like, there's no, there's no, like, she's not like a preacher. 
Yeah. You know, because I think in the original Isaac was he was like a child preacher who had totally. like this very charismatic way of of speaking, you know? Yeah. Um, but there's none of that in this. So it's like it's like an alternate universe, Children of the Corn, that's supposed to be like a prequel to a movie that we've never seen. I so, feel like that makes it even worse. Yeah, it's doubly unnecessary. Right. Oh, terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to watch it, I don't think. Yeah, I have to be really choice. desperate and out of uh, Tubi Originals. Yeah, exactly. Stick to more Tubi Originals. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be happier. All right. This next one I'm going to bring up is actually going to be kind of hard for me to talk about because it's very artsy. Um, but I do want to bring it up because there was something about it that I couldn't turn away from, even though I didn't totally understand what I was watching. Um, and I think that this is, I know it's on Tubi. I don't know if this one's considered a Tubi original, but I remember I put it on and um, it's called Lila. And I was thinking this is just going to be some other crappy Tubi movie. I'm just going to kind of watch in the background and Whatever I was doing, I just completely stopped doing it and just got sucked into the movie. Um, and I never really figured out what was going on, but it didn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the little synopsis for this is that a husband takes his family on a getaway to escape the distractions of society in order to complete his first book. He begins his fight to retain focus and sanity after multiple visits from mysterious strangers that seem to know him all too well. His wife's intentions come into question due to a secret she is willing to do anything to protect, even if that means pushing her husband over the edge of insanity. Um, yeah, and so that's the little summary of it. It's the family, it's the, the husband, the wife, and they have a son. Um, their dynamic, their whole family dynamic is totally weird and whack. Um, but there are times when the wife is speaking to the husband, you know, like she gets him and that maybe he wasn't this person previously, but from what we see of him, he's totally psychotic and angry and a terrible person. Um, but she, she does a lot of like explaining on his behalf of why he's acting like this right now. Um, but it kind of goes back and forth between their perspectives and so it, it is a little, it was a little confusing for me because I wasn't sure which one of them is, you know, crazy or if anyone's crazy or if this is just how they see each other. Um, like I said, it's very artsy. It's set in the woods in this cabin, which is beautiful. Um, but I definitely want to rewatch it and see if I can kind of pick it apart and figure out what's actually going on, if anything. Um, but I wanted to bring it up anyways, just so that people know to even check it out. Um, cause I, I haven't heard anyone bring it up, but yeah, it's called Lila. Is this a 2023 film? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Right. Yeah. Also um, very vibrant. Um, cool. lots of beautiful reds and greens in it. Not like Christmas, like beautiful <laughs> reds and greens. Mm, okay. <laughs> Not like a Freddy Krueger sweater. Not garish. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next film I'm going to bring up is one that I know that you also saw. So we can kind of discuss this one together here. Um, okay. That's Influencer. Mm, yes. Um, also on Shudder. I've been watching a lot of the Shudder stuff lately and trying to keep up. Uh, right. So this is an American film directed by Curtis David Harder. 
the synopsis is social media influencer Madison is struggling on a solo backpacking trip in Thailand when she meets CW who travels with ease and shows her a more uninhibited way of living. But CW's interest in her takes a darker turn. Uh, that's not a bad synopsis, although she's not exactly backpacking through Thailand. She's more like staying at a resort. Um, yeah. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, it, it is it is vague enough, and I think this is definitely a movie to walk into without knowing too much. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's it definitely benefits from that. Um, and I thought this was a solid thriller. Uh, I don't know if I call this necessarily horror. I don't know if it goes that far. Uh, but I think again, less you know going into it, the better. Um, the cinematography is really well done. Uh, it takes full advantage of the beautiful Thai countryside. Um, and the acting I think is also really solid in this. Uh, the, the story definitely plays a lot with the role social media plays in our lives, mm -hmm. like how it can be deceiving or misleading or used to manipulate or, how having followers doesn't mean you have friends. <laughs> um, right. It touches on things like cancel culture and the dangers of putting yourself too out there for all to see mm -hmm. uh, and what people could do with that information. So I, I thought that stuff was all actually handled really strong. And the film keeps taking turns and almost like reinventing itself with mm -hmm. each act. Uh, so it's not a film, I think, to be taken overly serious, but one to kind of kick back and enjoy the ride with. Um, there's a larger mystery in this movie about why a certain character is doing the things that she's doing. And that's never really solved or revealed. Uh, but overall, I did really like the movie and I would certainly recommend it. Um, I know Jessica, what, what could you maybe add, uh, as far as your thoughts on this film? I, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I totally agree with what you said. There are, there are some things, you know, that don't really make sense uh, when you really think about it. But if you are, in fact, just kicking back and enjoying the ride, I think mm -hmm. then it's totally fine and you don't need to get hung up on those details. Right. Um, but I also agree that the acting was surprisingly really good, um, especially I really enjoyed Madison, uh, the first blonde character that we meet. Um there was, I don't know, the her acting in particular um, kind of took me aback, even though she's not in the, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but she's not in a large portion of this movie. Um, but I thought that she did a really good job. And um, she has the job of making her presence felt throughout the whole movie. Correct. Like you can't yeah. forget about Madison. So I think that she does a good job with that. She was definitely well cast for that. Totally. Yeah. And um, the, what was his name? Um, Rory, the Madison's boyfriend or beau or whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> even he had some surprising moments to his character. And I don't know if they totally made sense with what we had seen of him before. But I thought it was fine. I was more just happy that the movie was taking me by surprise multiple times. So yeah. I just kind of let it slide for that purpose. I do wonder if it. If it's the kind of movie that benefits with rewatches or if it's the kind of thing that just isn't going to be as good the second time because you already yeah. know where things are going. And like you said, certain things don't make sense. Totally. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but I just know that 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 for that watch, at least I, I had a good time with it. And my wife actually walked in right when I was starting it. And, you know, sometimes she doesn't always watch the horror films with me, but she ended up staying the whole time and watching it and enjoying it, too. So nice. That's something. Yeah. 
I have a feeling that this probably wouldn't be better on subsequent uh, watches. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, I mean, that's just my, that's my gut reaction, you know, um, or my instinct rather. But, um, but I definitely enjoyed my watch of it. And I would think that most people would enjoy their first time watch. Yeah. All right. What about your next movie? All right. My next movie is another uh, Tubi original called <laughs> Captive. I have a lot of these folks. Sorry. <laughs> Lots of Tubi lately. Um, so this movie is called Captive. It came out this year. And we follow a group of stoners who break into a house for a weekend party. But they realize that all is not well after finding a mysterious stranger held captive in the basement. Um, and this actually has Scout Taylor Compton, who's in a couple of Tubi Originals this year. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I preferred her in this one over the other movie, which was uh, Spider One's new movie for the year. <laughs> That's a, a Tubi original. Um, and so this this is a very specific horror subgenre. So I'm definitely not going to spoil that. Um, but I will say that. Um, it has kind of an interesting take on this specific subgenre. Honestly, if you look it up, you're going to be spoiled because the poster just spoils what I'm referring to, anyways. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I thought it was fu- I thought it was a fun, goofy kind of like young adult teenage uh, horror movie. And there are some surprises in it that were enjoyable. It's kind of goofy, you know, and it's doing the same thing tonally that some of the other movies we already discussed are doing where it's like kind of serious, but this one is definitely leaning more into, I don't even want to say comedy necessarily, because it's not like all the comedy is landing, but goofy is kind of what I feel like I should um, assign it to. Um, I don't think I would ever want to watch it again, um, but the acting isn't terrible, um, and I kind of had fun with it. Uh, One of the actresses in it, I was looking at her, and I was like, why does this girl look so familiar? And it's because she was the stepdaughter in Dexter. Um, I don't know. I know you're not a huge TV person, but... I think uh, I saw the first season of that. Okay. Well, Dexter has a couple of stepkids in the show, and... His little stepdaughter is all grown up now um, and was in this movie. (laughs) And I love Scout Taylor Compton, so I'll honestly watch any of her bad movies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I had fun with it. I don't think it's for everybody, but if you're okay with just throwing something on for fun, uh, you can go ahead and try this one out. All right. Um, I think I got some others I know that you've seen. So, um, well, here's one that I don't think you talked about in the last episode. So we can talk about this one together. And that's because uh, Mark talked about it. That's Brooklyn 4-5 or Brooklyn 45. Yes. Um, so directed by Ten uh, Gigogan. Gigogan? Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how to say that. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea how to say it. We're going to go with I'm that. I'm looking at it and I'm like, uh. Yeah. Uh, Geogagan. I don't know. Um, yeah. But. <laughs> he he has some interesting writing credits to his name. So I guess that he wrote um, either the script of the story for uh, We Are Still Here, mm-hmm. which was a decent remake. Um, I think it was a remake of an Italian film. Um, oh, Mohawk. I never knew that. Uh, remember, do you, did you ever see Mohawk? It's like a female no. Native American, I think, in that one. Um, so it's kind of a historical horror, if I remember correctly. And Satanic Panic a couple years ago. 
I love that movie. She's like a yeah, pizza delivery girl or something, right? Um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he's got some interesting stuff. I think he has really interesting ideas, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I guess he wrote this movie with his late father, who was a quadriplegic Air Force veteran. And he was also a U.S. history teacher. So interesting perspective to bring to this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and like I guess I know Mark talked about it last time, but we're, you know, we, we bring up stuff that we've seen recently so you used to get another perspective on these things uh the synopsis is uh best friends since childhood five military veterans gather to support their troubled host and the metaphor ghosts of their past become all too literal uh vague but does its job for that one uh, mm-hmm. we essentially have a one-room drama um the characters acting on a single sound stage uh you know there, there's a staginess to the whole thing that doesn't automatically work against it, but you know, you're not going to be convinced that you're somewhere on location. Uh, (laughs) um, I think that the film would have benefited from more mood and atmosphere, uh, or even maybe having a second area for characters to gather at or to separate to. Um, but the whole single room location is one of the more intriguing aspects of the story. And, uh, some of my favorite films are shot that way. Uh, like 12 Angry Men. Uh, you ever <laughs> see that one from 1950s? I have. Uh, that fantastic single room drama. Yeah. You know, you got Rear Window. Uh, the Breakfast Club is kind of like single room, I guess, you know. Um, <laughs> and you have you have horror films like Saw, which are also like single room. Uh, so yeah. that's not a personal favorite of mine, but still, yeah, I think it works. Um, but the thing is, if you're going to have a single room drama, you also have to have strong as hell dialogue to keep the mm-hmm. audience zeroed in. And that's where I think this movie can kind of falter at times. Um, There were some good moments and the acting was pretty strong all around. I really like seeing Christina Klebe again. Uh, It was great to see her in a role. I thought her German accent was pretty good, at least in my American ears. Um, Mm -hmm. But the plot descends into an overall conflict of arguing whether or not a woman is a Nazi spy. And that starts to feel overly drawn out and tired. Um, Mm. We get some moments of the supernatural but they're never frightening. Uh, And we get a bit of gore, but for long stretches, the film kind of seems to forget that it's telling a ghost story. Um, Like, yes, these characters are facing their own demons in a certain way, but the supernatural aspects feel almost like an afterthought at times. I feel like they could have been incorporated more effectively. Um, You know, I, I I think this would have actually done really well if we had scenes like you ever see the movie hell house from the seventies. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, I like that yeah, it's, movie. It's a it's a pretty good haunted house film, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a really cool scene where they're having basically like a seance. There's like this medium who's, you know, basically conjuring the spirits, and this, um, like the ectoplasm is like coming out from her fingertips. Oh yeah, and going across the room. It's a really cool shot, and I just think like this movie could have dealt with that kind of mood, um, you know, because instead we have this super generic seance occur. You know, basically mm-hmm. one of these characters asks them to have a seance and it like immediately works. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just feel like you could have incorporated some of the, some of the history stuff. You know, what if like the, one of the characters had brought back like a Nazi occult object or something, you know, and, right. and use that. And maybe that helped to symbolize like their own fall from grace, which is like one of the, one of the themes that we're seeing here. Um, you know, but it doesn't do that. It's just, they basically have like a generic seance and it automatically works. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, 
Um, and the <laughs> other thing I kept asking myself when I'm watching it is why are all these World War II veterans in their 60s? Right. Like, they're old enough to have been World War I veterans. Uh, yeah. Most soldiers who are fighting on the front lines, which some of these soldiers apparently were, were less than half the ages of these actors. <laughs> so it was just that a was weird very choice. Confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, these people should not have been like frontline combat individuals. Um, but you know, in the end, like I didn't love this film, but I did respect the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I appreciated what it was going for. I don't yeah. think it succeeded personally, but I kind of salute the effort, if that makes sense. Like I'm kind of cheering it on, but I also think it missed the mark. Um, right. I know. What, what, what do you think? Because I know you heard Mark's opinions last time when you were you. It was just the two of you guys doing a, a rotten roundtable. Right? Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Um. You know, I was actually kind of surprised by it because, um, outside of Mark and yourself, I've heard everyone say that it's not scary. Um. But I actually found some of the scenes to be really chilling, and I was surprised by that. And not you know, the kind of scary where I'm not going to be able to fall asleep or something, but still like some pretty brutal and creepy stuff happens, you know, to where I imagine being in that situation and I get creeped out. Um, so I was surprised by that, first of all, because I have heard some people say that they don't even think it's horror at all. Um, and yeah, I don't think that that. that's, <laughs> I don't think that that's fair. Um, no. personally, um, I do enjoy the stylization. I had a lot of fun with the look of it. Um, mm -hmm. and when it came down to it, I think it was more style over substance, you know, because of some of the things that you've already brought up that just didn't really work. Um, like the dialogue and like, I don't care anymore if this lady's a Nazi or not <laughs> when yeah. you get to yeah. a certain point, you know, um, but I did. I can, find I can only hear the same conversation happen over and over again so many times before. Right. <laughs> exactly. Before I feel like uh, I'm treading water. Were, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. But there were some moments that were surprising um, or, you know, interesting to watch. And the ending was surprising, you know, so I enjoyed that part of it. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely not a perfect film. And I think it, I think that I do agree that if it was a little more moody and atmospheric, maybe a little more dark. Uh, that it could have benefited from that as far as the creepy factor goes. But I still just uh, found myself just watching it. It was another instance, actually, I was trying to sew something and I totally just stopped sewing mm -hmm. and just watching the movie. Um, but I, I am a sucker for single location movies and yeah. I love this kind of setup. You know, like when I was a kid, I was totally into Wes Anderson movies um, as an example of just that kind of vibe. So <laughs> I, I did kind of enjoy those elements of it, but it definitely wasn't a perfect movie, but I was, I thought that the, the acting was actually really good, even though the dialogue was kind of, eh. Um, mm -hmm. So I had fun with the cast. Yeah. The cast was good. I just think they were too old, but I think that the cast was right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. At first I was thinking like, Oh wait, they used to be in the war and they're just old war buddies getting together. But then it becomes clear that no, like this... the war was over a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like really soon after. Yeah. Um, so that really does take you out of it. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that takes you out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, pretty much agree with you. I mean, I, I was engaged the whole time, but mm -hmm. You know, will I rewatch it? No, I don't see myself rewatching it. Uh, but like I said, I, I'm definitely cheering it on. I hope that it finds its audience. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, what's your next film? All right, next film. 
Let's see. Let me see if I can pick something that's not a 2B original. Um, <laughs> that's all right. If you, I mean, I don't know how many people are calling attention to these things. So if you if you've got good ones. Yeah, I do have, you know, it's a couple of the like, okay, ones or the good ones that I just want to let people yeah. know about, I guess. <laughs> um, but you know what, I'm going to go to a little bit of an older movie, actually, because um, I just watched this yesterday. And I've heard pre people bring it up just um, when they're discussing Micah Monroe's credits, like in general, but I've never heard anyone actually talk about this movie, like to to any degree of actual detail. Um, and I'm referring to Villains from 2019, uh, which also has Bill Skarsgård in it. Um, and actually, it also has Kira Sed uh, Sedgwick and, let's see what this other gentleman's name is, Jeffrey Donovan. Um, and it's a, it's a very small cast, uh, but those are kind of the four main actors in this. And I really, really enjoyed their performances. And I think this might actually even be my favorite performance from Micah Monroe mm. and maybe even Kira Sedgwick. Like, I just thought that wow. these roles for those women were so fun and outside of what they normally do. Um, but they really put their all into it, um, which made it so much e even more enjoyable to watch. So um, this follows a pair of amateur criminals who break into a suburban home uh, and they stumble upon a dark secret that two sadistic homeowners will do anything to keep from getting out. Um, and so this is this is a little bit like the the captive movie that I was just talking about where people <laughs> are breaking into a home and then, hey, wait, these homeowners are freaks uh, and they have a dark secret hiding in their home. But um, basically... Bill Skarsgård's character and Micah Monroe's character, they're a young couple and they've just robbed a convenience store. And then, uh, of course, they're they're not <laughs> they're not all that smart, you know, clearly. So they've let their vehicle run out of gas um, <laughs> on the side of the road as they're trying to get away. And so that's why they're even breaking into this home to begin with. They're hoping to steal the car or siphon the gas or whatever they need to do. Uh, when they come upon a secret. Um, but this is comedic, but it's more dark comedy than super goofy comedy, although it does get kind of ridiculous. But it's smartly written. Um, so it's really fun. And the way it's shot is so good. The cinematography is very good. Um, I really, really enjoyed this um, because I had no expectations going in. But, um, you know, if I had seen this in 2019, this might be on, like, my top 10 or top 20 list because right. I enjoyed it that much. Um, it's not very – it's not, like, full-on horror. Um, so it is horrific. I mean, there's definitely horror in it, but I don't know if I feel comfortable just calling it a full-on horror, you know, just in case anyone <laughs> questions that. But it is, list it is listed as, you know, comedy, drama, horror. So – it is there, but um, I just thought it was really beautiful to look at. Um, although the ending, the ending wasn't bad, but there was an element to the ending that just made absolutely no sense. Um, and so that was the one thing that really pulled me out. But other than that, it just was really fun and original. Um, so I would definitely recommend people check that out if they never did. Cool. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, but... I'd always intended to, so maybe I'll finally get yeah. around to it. We'll see. I, I think it's on Hulu and Tubi right now, so. 
But yeah, Mike, seriously, Micah Monroe in this is just like nothing like I've ever seen from her. And it's just so mm-hmm. fun. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one I'm bringing up again, I'm catching up with Shudder. Uh, but uh, I know that you've seen this one. Um, and that is Leave. Uh, do you remember if you talked about this on a previous? Round, round I did table? talk about it, but I did a really bad job at it because I couldn't remember anything about the movie. I kind of understand why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, we'll, we'll see how I do. Um, yeah. Good so luck. this is a Norwegian film uh, directed by Alex Heron. The synopsis is a young woman tries to find her origins after having been abandoned as an infant at a cemetery where she was wrapped in a cloth with satanic symbols. However, as she gets closer to answers, a malevolent spirit tells her to leave. I mean, that's kind of, I don't, I'm not even sure that's what happened, but we'll go with it. Uh, right. <laughs> this film has nice cinematography and mm-hmm. it starts out pretty strong. We kind of get a fish out of water story with uh, a young American woman who's basically supposed to, she's just going to college, but she is looking for, she, she is the baby that was left in the cemetery in the synopsis. And she is looking for her parents and she has a clue that they are uh, from Europe, that they are Norwegian. So instead of going back to college, she goes to Europe to try and seek out clues from her past. Uh, she finds out it's connected to like a black metal band. Um, and as an infant, she was not only found with like satanic symbols, she was also found with a Thor's hammer pendant around her neck. Uh, and these all seem to be ingredients to a fun movie, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right. Norwegian black metal, Thor's hammer pendant, satanic symbols. <laughs> like, hell yeah, let's get check, this started. Check, check. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By the second half, I was so bored and frustrated. Uh, <laughs> Like, we follow our main character as she tries to find, like, this supposed diary that her mother kept. And it's just, like, a MacGuffin. It really doesn't come to much. Uh, it ends up not really being important. It just kind of drags down the narrative. Uh, I think there's a fine line a horror film must walk where a character needs to be put in danger. And that character can either do so looking brave or looking stupid. Uh, and the main character here starts to fall into the latter care category. She is just constantly putting herself in danger unnecessarily. Um, the black metal subplot pretty much mostly goes nowhere. Like yeah. it, it takes inspiration from real church burnings that happened in Norway in the early nineties, but much more could have been done with it. And you don't so much as hear a black metal song. Uh, instead, we hear some like generic metal music at times, which I don't understand why you even put black metal in here and then play stuff that isn't black metal. Um, <laughs> right. I'm not even a black metal purist, but I mean, at least like <laughs> hear some black metal, you know, if we're going to have right. that as part of the subplot. But it really doesn't go anywhere. Um, so like this is the second Norwegian horror film this year <laughs> that tries to tap into its nation's history for inspiration and just completely drops the ball. And mm-hmm. I think that the other one being Viking Wolf. <laughs> Um, which (laughs) wasn't a bad werewolf movie, but was a terrible movie about having anything to do with Vikings. Uh, (laughs) The main actress in this film, she's very pretty. um, And her acting isn't bad, but she's German, playing an American. And sometimes you can hear her accent start to creep out. And I don't mean a Boston accent. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you can start hearing some German in in the accent. You're like, oh, that doesn't sound like Massachusetts. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, the movie really started to try my patience. And by the end, I just didn't care and I wanted it to be over. So uh started off strong and then is just with every 
10 minutes that pass is just diminishing returns. Um, mm-hmm. So did that jog your memory with any of this? Like, Yeah, a little bit, but I remember okay. like, I remember the most confusing parts for me were more towards the end with the family. Um, yeah. And just it, like what the purpose that was. That stuff is not very that. well explained. Yeah. Okay. So it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think this is, this can be skipped, unfortunately, because it sounds like it would be awesome, but it just isn't. Yeah. I know I almost would want to give it another watch so I can figure out what was going on, but I don't think it's worth it. (laughs) No, you don't need to. (laughs) (laughs) All right, give me another one. All right. Um, Well, I figure I owe it uh, to our listeners to bring up Cocaine Shark, which is a Tubi original, because, you know, I teased it out on our last Rotten Roundtable Mark and I ended up having some technical difficulties, so we just put out an episode with what we had recorded, um, and so I never actually got around to talking about Cocaine Shark after telling everyone that I was going to talk about Cocaine Shark, so it's not very fair. Um, <laughs> so the synopsis for this is a mafia drug lord has unleashed a new highly addictive stimulant on the streets called HT25 derived from sharks held captive in a secret lab and which causes monstrous side effects. After an explosion and a leak at the lab, an army of mutated bloodthirsty sharks and other creatures are set loose on the world as a small band of people try to stop the carnage. Uh, So a lot going on there. Um, (laughs) uh, Definitely a lot of action going on. Um, Not particularly great acting. I feel like this kind of falls in between like Sharks of the Corn and Velocipaster, you know? So it's kind of a good... is pretty awesome. I know. So this is kind of a, a middle ground between, okay. you know, Sharks of the Corn and Velocipaster. How shark? Uh, it's really hilarious. It's They show a couple of different iterations, but it's like a puppet. <laughs> like, just, yeah. It's terrible, but in the best way. Um Actually, the main guy, his acting isn't completely terrible. Um, Let me see what this actor's name is. I believe it must be Ryan Dalton. Is that the right one? I don't know, honestly. This is very, um, this seems like a bunch of friends got together and made this for fun, you know? But it's actually not, it's not like so low production that it's like a Sharks of the Corn. It's actually a little higher production. And like the bad scenes of the the weird mutated creatures, um, they're clearly intentional. Um, but I honestly kind of had fun with it. I mean, that's, this is kind of my thing, you know, so I would have yeah. fun with it. I'm not saying everyone else is going to have fun with it. Well, but I just thought. It just can't be boring. Right. It wasn't boring. I will say that. It wasn't boring. I enjoyed it. Um, I did not know completely what was happening. Um, There are some scenes where the creatures are like kind of claymated. And there's like fused creatures. There's like a shark crab fusion. And I think like a monkey. What was the monkey fused with? I don't know. There was a bunch of weird animal fusions going on and like a whole other subplot about the mafia and drugs, but it was not boring to say the least. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I mean, if you hate these kind of movies, like don't even try, but if you have nothing better to do and you just want to watch this weird low budget cocaine shark movie, I would recommend it. 
I would watch it again, to be honest. So that's how I feel. That's, that's about high it. praise. All right. I, I, I wasn't going to write it down, but I am going to write that one down now. <laughs> like it would not. Tubi. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't watch Sharks of the Corn again, um, but I would watch this one again. Not intently, but, you know, in the background. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next one that I watched, it is something that has come up on this show before. Um, and I know Tammy did not like it. So this is Knock at the Cabin. Um, so again, American film. We all know this one directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, synopsis while vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand they make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. Confused, scared, and with limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. And of course, this is based on the 2018 novel, uh, The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Um, now, like I said, I know there have been some strong reactions to this film on this podcast. Uh, Tammy, I think, felt like she was tricked into watching a faith-based horror. Um, <laughs> she did. <laughs> and Mark, I think, took issue with, like, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse being actual people or something. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I, you know, going to what Tammy was saying, I admit that that, that is something that can also turn me off to a movie uh, and a filmmaker. So, you know, if I feel like I'm being tricked into something um, that's like faith based, uh, it's yeah. the main reason I have trust issues with Scott Derrickson um, as a filmmaker. <laughs> uh, but I also recognize the difference between a filmmaker who is just using themes of faith and religion to tell a story and one who's trying to get me to have faith and religion. Um, and I think that Shyamalan is doing the former. Like, I think that he promotes faith in his movies, or at least like this and in signs. But it's of a, a very non-specific kind. Um, I think he mm -hmm. just thinks that it's good to have faith. I don't think that he actually is promoting any one religion necessarily. Right. Um, so you know, there this movie has some positives. I think that the uh, the the cast is quite good. Uh, I was glad to actually see two really talented queer actors playing their roles as two loving fathers to an adoptive daughter. Um, one of them being Jonathan Groff, who I think is very talented. Uh, it was good to see him in a horror film. Um, you know, and I think these performances help to sell some of the cheesy writing at times uh, for a lot of the film. Um, yeah. You know, it's it, these performances go a long way in selling a lot of this. Uh, it's a pretty non-offensive film overall. And I'm not even sure why it's rated R because... Mm -hmm. And I think this is, I think most of his movies have been PG 13. I think this is like only like the, maybe the second that's been rated R or something like that. Most of them are not oh, rated wow. R. I could be that's wrong about that, but I don't think most of M. Night Shyamalan's movies have been rated R. Um, but he continuously cuts away from violence in this. Like we never actually see somebody being stabbed or hacked or anything like that. It's constantly the camera's pulled away. Sometimes mm -hmm. we just, the camera goes outside of the cabin. So we don't see anything. <laughs> you know, like we just hear something happen. Uh, so there's like a couple F-bombs, and that's about it. It really didn't have to be rated R. Um, hmm. I think the film would have worked much better if things had been kept more ambiguous. Uh, but instead, Shyamalan kind of hits everything right on the nose in this. Um, and it ends up being less interesting because of that as it continues. Mm. Uh, it does introduce some elements of ambiguity, but they really become completely unnecessary um, as the film goes on. Um, and the most ridiculous moments for me are when we see news footage footage of a uh, supposed like plagues that are occurring. 
Like, I'm trying mm-hmm. not to be too spoilery, but essentially, um, you know, in order to convince them that the apocalypse is happening, and I, I know that Tammy and Mark have already kind of spoiled some things in this movie, so I, I'm not too worried about talking about some particulars. Uh, but they turn on the news to show this, you know, this gay couple, basically, that the end of the world is coming. And the news footage is so cheesy. Uh, <laughs> like, at one point, we see tsunami footage. And it's, like, taken from, like, somebody who has a camera on the beach. Um, mm-hmm. And this whole thing was laughably bad. We basically see people <laughs> hanging out on the beach just watching this enormous wave moving in. Like, they're just casually watching it, not, like, panicking. And then finally, <laughs> they start running. But by then, of course, it's too late. And we see the cameraman actually get swallowed up by the water. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow the news is playing this. Seconds old footage. I don't know how they got this news. It was not a news cameraman who was on the thing. It's like this is like somebody's like phone who was like filming, you yeah. know. And somehow the news is showing this, and they they I think they say on the news like this just happened, like this is this footage just come in. It, you know, right. he could have shown us like a security camera with like a live feed or something like that happening. That's not yeah. what it is. So the news okay. stuff looks really cheesy, and it totally took me out of it every single time. Yeah, um, it's. <laughs> It's moments like this and the way the movie plays out that makes me feel like Shyamalan wasn't really taking this story seriously. <laughs> mm. You know, like, like I like Dave Bautista. Uh, yeah. and I think he, he genuinely, I think, does well in this movie. But having this enormously muscular man, I mean, he's not just strong. The dude is a freaking giant, right? Right. To have him playing, like, he plays like this mild-mannered grade school teacher. Um, and it just it feels more like a comical touch than a serious one. Right. You know, like I understand that like he has to overpower like two men basically. So maybe you want to make him even bigger. I don't know what exactly what the whole thing is here, but yeah. it's just, it's weird to have him in this role. Even it, nothing against Dave Batista. It's just, I question Shyamalan's motivation <laughs> in certain ways mm-hmm. by having him in there. Um, so yeah, yeah I didn't mind it. Yeah, I didn't mind the time I spent with the film, but I don't. I'm not ever going to return to it. It's, it's a pretty throwaway movie uh, in the very end. So, yeah, I do plan to see it eventually, just because I don't know. I I still love M Night Shyamalan, and they're not all you know good, <laughs> but I yeah, still try to give them all a far chance. From his best movie, it's definitely it's better than The Happening. Which, you know, that's like, let me see. That's think. not saying I haven't lot, seen, but I haven't seen The Happening and I haven't seen the one on The Elevator. And I think those that. are the only ones. Wow. Oh, yeah. He did The Elevator one too, Devil or something. Yeah, I think that's what, what it's called. Yeah, so. I hate both those movies. <laughs> um, I, I know a lot, of, a lot of people like, a lot of people like The Elevator one. I thought it was terrible. So I don't know. Um, maybe you'll yeah. like it more, but The Happening mm. is hilariously bad. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So that one I'm at least anticipating having a little yeah. fun with. <laughs> like Mark Wahlberg does not have a lot of range. So <laughs> yeah, seeing him try to true. play a science teacher is pretty funny. Oh my god, that sounds hilarious. Um, but yeah, I'll get around to those eventually, and I'll get around to this one too. I've kind of turned it into a thing that I watch like all Shyamalan movies with my daughter when they come out. So I mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet because we need to watch it together. I didn't get a chance to see old from last year. Did you see that one? We we did see that one. It's yeah, not like it? not great. Okay. Um, although the premise is kind of cool. It's just the execution was really weird. Some more weird choices, you know. Um, yeah. I think that's maybe a problem that he has in general. And I think it comes down to what you said. Like, what are your motivations for making this choice? Because yeah. 
it doesn't seem like the best choice for the story that you're telling. Um, it seems like he's kind of given up making serious movies. I know that's the way I feel. Like, I feel like this Knock at the Cabin was supposed to be a serious movie, but it doesn't come off to me like a serious movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I felt I that way about old too. Okay. I like the visit, which oh, I didn't we find to be a serious movie, but it had the right tone. Yeah. For all that, you know, um, that's a, that's one of our household favorites. Yeah. That was a good time. <laughs> um, but yeah, nothing like six cents at this point or anything like that. All right. <laughs> Um, so, okay, do you want to bring up your next one? I think I have two more, maybe. Um, yeah, I think I have two more. Okay, I know we have one more that's shared. Um, yeah. I'll bring that one so, up next. Time. Okay, cool. Well, I guess one thing I should bring up is uh, the newest season of Black Mirror, um, which I watched. The seasons are very short, so it's not a ton of episodes. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think there's only like five or six episodes. But... Um, I've actually only ever seen one other season before and then just some random episodes from other seasons. Um, so this is kind of like the second season that I've seen in full, you know, in order. Um, and I mostly really enjoyed it. Um, so I thought I should bring it up because it's kind of a, a hot topic right now for a lot of people because people just love Black Mirror. Um, you know, and since watching this newest season, I've actually gone back and rewatched all of them. <laughs> so wow. I can I can see why people enjoy it so much. Um, it did start off the first few seasons are really, really dark and depressing, you know, which is the main reason that I never really jumped into it uh, before. But I also didn't realize that the seasons were so short. You know, I was thinking I was getting into like a, a 10 episode, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like five seasons of like 10 episodes of depression. Um, yeah. So I just was never really looking forward to that. But the, it seems like these later seasons that some of the episodes have a little more levity. Um, so that's it's fun to throw in. But the really depressing episodes are the really good ones, if I'm being totally honest. Um, but they they get crazy um, actors to participate in these episodes. Um, and going back to older seasons, there's a lot of actors, you know, that weren't big at the time. And now they've been in huge movies um, like Daniel Kalu Kaluuya. He hadn't been in Get Out yet when he appeared in the first season of Black Mirror. Um, but seeing him in that episode, you're like, this guy has something. Um, and so I found that to be really fun to going back through these and seeing all these great actors. But I mean, this season has like Selma Hayek in it. It has um, Jesse Pinkman, which I can't remember his, what's his real name? Uh, Aaron Paul, <laughs> but he's Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. Um, he's in it, he's really good. Josh Hartnett was in the same episode with him. Um, so we have some big names and it seems like, I think it's something that attracts big name actors apparently. Um, I know in the last season they got Miley Cyrus for an episode. So prestige television. Yeah. But um, 
I don't know. They are really impressive episodes, and I would definitely recommend the season. I don't think it was the greatest, um, but it does seem to have improved from season five, in my opinion. So I think people should check it out. Um, Some of the episodes this year, they don't really seem like they fit in with the whole theme of technology. So I didn't really understand why they were there. But those episodes I actually really enjoyed anyways. Um, Like, for example, there's one called Demon 79 uh, that has a demon (laughs) in it. And I guess there's kind of a form of technology in it in um, in the form of a rune. But that's not really technology i i don't know what what is the binding character there that they're like this is a type of technology maybe i don't know but i really like the episode regardless and apparently they're going to be making a new series i think called red mirror where they're going to be horror um like strictly horror and like less technology and sci-fi so Mm. i'm excited for that to see what happens with that um like that demon episode maybe he's testing the waters for something like that yeah, there was also there's a werewolf episode, and I think that that one specifically says in the beginning credits like that this is a red mirror episode, and so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, oh that makes sense when I'm you know when you when you see that because that one didn't really have anything to do with te- technology either, but um but yeah, I thought it was a really cool season, the one with Aaron Paul and Josh Hartnett that episode will just like destroy your soul. Um, but it's also just so interesting. Um, you just can't look away from it, even though it's so awful Mm. in a, like in a good way. So, uh, yeah, for people who like black mirror or maybe never even saw black mirror, it doesn't matter. You don't have there. They don't go together or anything. So you can just jump in whenever you want. Um, and I would recommend the season. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, the one that we both saw um, is Consecration, uh, which is a UK-US um, co-production uh, directed by Christopher Smith, uh, who has an interesting filmography. Um, he did Triangle from 2009, which is definitely one of my favorite movies from that first decade of the 2000s. Uh, mm. I really like that one. Did you see that one with Melissa George? No, I never like, saw it. Oh, it's it's. I know what cool. you're talking about, though. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. They're they're out on a yacht, and like they basically get stranded out there, and a ship pulls up. Um, definitely check that out. I, I really really like that movie. Uh, then the year later, he did, he did Black Death with Sean Bean, which was decent, decent kind of historical horror. Uh, a couple years ago, he did The Banishing, which was uh, another you know stab at period horror which I think took place in the 1940s or something, but that one was pretty disappointing. Uh, so now he's got Consecration. So he's, it, there's a mixed, you know, <laughs> I feel like my favorite movie of his is still like the one that's 14 years ago. Uh, right. So the synopsis of this one is, after the conspicuous death of her brother, a priest, Grace travels to Mount Savior Convent in Scotland to find out what really happened. Once there, she uncovers murder, sacrilege, and a disturbing truth about her own past. Um, so this movie I would say is better than The Banishing, which was one that I said was disappointing, but I still have my issues with it, definitely. Uh, there's some good stuff here, but there's also always something else that kind of seems to hold it back. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, we have a pretty good cast here. 
Uh, it's always great to see Danny Houston in a role. Um, he's mm-hmm. one that plays like the head priest, you know. Um, yeah. Though he, the way he plays the role, I couldn't tell if he actually believed anything he was saying. Like, yeah. I can never tell. And there is a little bit of duplicity in that character. But still, it's just the way that Danny Houston, I think, was playing it. I'm like, is this guy for real? I can't tell if he's, like, being honest at all, ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But it's a movie, I think it's shot well. Um, there are some nice striking images throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the very beginning, they try to pull off this mirror effect. Where, like, you're... You don't realize it at first, but you're actually seeing the mirror's reflection. And mm. then, like, you know, and I think yeah. this was this was meant to be an homage to the same effect that was used in the movie Contact, where Jenna Malone played a young Jodie Foster. Mm. I think in that movie, she's, like, reaching for a medicine cabinet or something like that. You're looking inside the medicine cabinet mirror. Right. Um, and that's really well done. But in this one, it looks very awkward. Mm, uh, yeah. It's, it actually did... Do you know which part I'm talking about here? I do, yeah. Okay. It actually made me pause and rewatch it to see if I was if I was missing something supernatural in that scene mm-hmm. because it wasn't successfully accomplished. Like it's like the actress and the reflection don't really move entirely in sync. So right. they were going for a clever, you know, basically uh camera trick. Uh, but it ended up being more confusing to me because I'm like, wait, is there something else going on here? Um, <laughs> right. You know, when I don't think there was. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that, that's just one of the things that threw me off. Um, you know, to its credit, I think this movie, it does try to create atmosphere and mood and it doesn't rely on jump scares, which I'm happy about. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some interesting ideas at work. I don't think that they really all come together in a satisfying way uh, and they start to kind of feel pretty derivative as they go, uh, or at least they don't really convince the viewer, or at least me, in a way that they're presented. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of kept waiting for the movie to pull me in, you know, to like bring me into the deep end. But yeah, I felt more like I used this expression earlier, but I felt more like I was treading water the whole time. Like I just, I, I, I just wasn't getting invested enough in the story. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also somebody who I've already mentioned certain things in movies that distract me <laughs> when I notice them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that easily distracts me is conspicuous wigs on actors. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, Jenna Malone has a wig on the whole time. And when I see a wig, I can't help but wonder if the hair is going to play a role in the story. Like, is right. their hairstyle going to change, symbolizing a transformation, whatever it is, you know? But that for some reason, funny. Jenna Malone has this kind of weird kind of frizzy wig. Yeah. And we see like a younger version of her. And it's a kid that has like the same wig on. And it looks awful on the kid. <laughs> um, so and just, you know, anybody who hasn't seen this, the wig has nothing to do with it. It's just it's supposed to be her real hair. That's all. What it's supposed right. to be. But I don't know why she was wearing a wig during that whole thing. I didn't but really think about it, but I did think that her hair looked terrible. I'm like, man, your hair looks bad in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like this frizzy, like, it's like Hermione Granger from the first Harry Potter movies, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know why they didn't just use her real hair. I don't know. They, yeah, that's very yeah, bizarre. I don't know. Um, but uh, that, that kind of thing just really distracts me. So, yeah. you know, I it was okay. It was an okay movie. Um, wh- what did you think about it? Really, I agree with everything that you're saying. It was the same thing, especially because it's like set in Scotland. 
which I'm so excited for. I love all the Scottish accents, you know, and I'm just waiting for it to really grab me. Um, and it just kind of never really did. Um, but I did, I mean, I liked, I liked some of the visuals were really cool. Um, I did like some of the little, you know, like side characters. Um, and I enjoyed my like one eye nun. It was kind right. Of <laughs> yeah. Like I liked all the, the nuns and stuff. I thought that they were fun and even mother superior. Um, but I still didn't find myself really caring about anyone. Um, and the story seemed like it was going in an interesting direction. And I have to be honest, I don't really remember what the conclusion was and what was going on in the end. But I remember feeling like it didn't make sense with what they had been presenting. Yeah, and I kept like, they were like overly indulgent in letting her like sleep at this convent. Like, yeah, they were. Like, it, this is not a this is like a character who's like a professional who yeah. has money, you know? But she's at this convent, and she's basically living like a pauper. She's just, like, living off of them. And I can see <laughs> yeah. that, like, like she had, like, an accent, so I can see her there for, like, one day. But she just stays there, like, day after day, and then just, like, belittles them <laughs> the whole time. Totally. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, at a certain point, they should say, like, you need to go get, a, like, a, a say at an inn or right. something, you know? Like, go rent a car. Uh, so and, funny. you know, go stay somewhere else. Um, but instead, like, they just kind of, she just kind of roams around this this convent and, like, insults people and <laughs> you know I, I guess she's supposed to be like investigating but she's not really investigating and right. then every so often they go to like this little police station that's like it's like one cop and it's like you know a hundred <laughs> square foot building um, yeah it's just weird i don't know it's it's things like that like that like with the wig where i keep wondering like why is this happening like right um but again choices <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i, I, I didn't hate the movie but I was yeah. really hoping to like it a lot more than I did. Uh, me too, especially because I also really like Jenna Malone. So I was like, yes, Jenna Malone in Scotland. So excited. Yeah. And her uh, British accent didn't seem too bad to me. So I got. Yeah, I it wasn't too. It. I think there was a couple of times where I was like, mm. I slipped a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Or it just didn't sound like authentic or she did like, you know how there's a bunch of British accents. It seemed like she kind of yeah. mixed some of them together. <laughs> from different areas. <laughs> well, it's 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 kind of one of those things too, where it's like, you know, why does she have a wig on? She doesn't seem the wig, but like, why does she have to be British? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like can't she just be like the American sister? I don't know. Like, you know, she yeah. spent time in the U.S. I don't know. Um, you hardly ever hear the brother. He could have totally not had an accent, but mm. yeah. Anyhow, yeah, um, I still think like you know, if you're perusing Shutter, it's like worth a one-time watch. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's really I, hard because this year in general, it's not must see TV, yeah. but it's it's just that this year in general, I feel like there isn't a lot of really no. great movies, you know, no. I, to where I could I, be I, like, you could just skip this. You know, it's a year where I'm like, yeah, maybe you should just give this one a watch because <laughs> otherwise yeah. there's not a lot for you to go to this year. No, it's true. You mentioned like 2019 before when you're talking about villains and mm -hmm. that made me like. I was starting to think about that because I was thinking about my my like my top films for like 2019, and that was an awesome year. Yeah, that year. Movies. There were so many good movies in 2019. Um, yeah. What I, I was looking at: uh, Doctor Sleep, The Lighthouse, Midsummer, uh, The Nightingale. You know, Us, La Plaza Steam, and Ready or Not. Like there were just so many good movies that yeah. came out that year, 
And I'm just not feeling any of that this year. And we're totally more than halfway through. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, um, I agree. <sighs> That's yeah. why, hence all the Tubi originals. Yeah, exactly. Because at least maybe I'll get yeah. some like original content, if nothing else. And when Shutter's giving us crap like Children of the Corn, like this is not a good sign. <laughs> I used to be able to, because especially Shutter used to be a place where I can go to, especially for really good foreign horror. Yeah. You know, like they would have like cool stuff coming out of Korea or. You know, whenever there was like a foreign horror movie that came on Shutter, I'd be like, "Oh hell yeah, let's let's check this out." It's usually gonna be really good. And like, they haven't had a lot of foreign stuff on there. They've, I don't know what's going on yeah. with Shutter this I year. Um, that's true. I haven't noticed. I have, or I I haven't like um, looked specifically for foreign horror on there. But usually, I feel like it's just it just pops up, and you're like, "Oh yeah." Yeah, I usually come across a lot of really good stuff from Korea by this point in the year, or right. other parts of Asia, or maybe Spain. Um, but nothing like, I mean, yeah. there was the bone woman, that was decent. Yeah. But I that agree. wasn't even like, it wasn't amazing, but it was decent. Right. Um, that's like about it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. It's not over, but. I think we're supposed to get the third installment of like X and Pearl and all that right this yeah. year or is that next it year lives up to uh i think it's supposed to be this year okay i hope so i think yeah give me something to look forward to yeah no kidding <laughs> i mean at least we All got right. a new evil dead movie yeah yeah that was fun that's something <laughs> all right i got one more um how many more do you have to to do. Uh, you know, I have one that's um, from a couple of years ago that I wanted to bring up. Um, so I'll bring I'll bring that guy up, and then you right, can just do one finish more each. Off. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Cool. So this one is actually from 2018. It's called The Ranger, um, and I remember hearing the director Jen Wexler being interviewed. Um, I think on a podcast, although I can't remember what podcast it was, but she was uh, telling telling the premise of the movie and I just thought it was right up my alley. Um, so this little synopsis is um, some teen punks on the run from the cops and hiding out in the woods come up against the local authority, an unhinged park ranger with an ax to grind. Um, so it does, it starts at a punk show and we meet this group of teenagers um, and we are kind of seeing from the main character's perspective that something happened in her childhood that clearly traumatized her. But of course they're doing that thing where they're not really showing what happened just enough, you know, to kind of insert some dread. Um, and then throughout the movie, you get a little more of the story, but so this, uh, this main character, uh, let's see, Chelsea, um, she has inherited a cabin in the woods pretty much from her uncle who passed away. And so they're trying to run from the cops because of an altercation at the beginning of the movie when they're running away from the punk show. Um, and so they're going to hide out at her cabin that she hasn't been to since she was a kid. Um, but there is a park ranger that uh, patrols that area that remembers her from when she was a little kid because of this incident that has clearly traumatized her. Um, and so this movie is actually pretty scary and gory at times but it's also just really fun um i don't 
I wouldn't call it a comedy per se, you know, but it's just like it's really leaning into the brutality and this character of the park ranger. Um, and so I I had a ton of fun with it. Um, I'm trying to remember the ranger it was played by Jeremy Holm, um, who was also in Brooklyn 45 um, as the butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that same actor who's playing the park ranger, if you can kind oh, of cool. imagine. Um, and he does, yeah. yeah, he does a great job. I think that the main girl, um, Chelsea played by Chloe Levine, I think she does a really great job. Um, some of the punks, they're actually, um, queer characters that are also punks. And I thought that that was really fun to see because it's just not something that we typically see associated with one another, um, in punk movies. So it was just, I love punks. Um, I was never actually a punk, but I did hang out with a lot of punks back in the day. <laughs> you know, I was like the weird goth kid that hung out with, with the punks. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really fun. It looked really great. The setting was really cool and really just the ranger like sells it. Um, so if you're looking for something kind of fun, um, let me see where this is playing where did i watch you let's see well it's on amc plus so i feel like i must have watched it on shutter since they're in cahoots and i don't have amc plus hmm. but yeah i just remember it when i saw it pop up on there i was like oh my god i remember the director talking about this and being really excited um i think it was supposed to be low budget uh but it looks great it doesn't seem i mean i guess it can, it can be low budget but it just it's better than it has any right to be. Um, if it is, in my I opinion, I've never heard of this one. Right. Yeah. I don't think I ever heard anyone bring it up, you know, it just kind of lived in the back of my head from that interview. Um, so when I saw it pop up on, I believe it must've been shutter uh, right away. I was like, Oh yes, this is that park ranger movie. I'm going to check it out. And I really enjoyed it. So if y'all never got a chance to see it, if it is on shutter, I would recommend that you check it out. All right, cool. All right. The last movie to talk about tonight is The Boogeyman, uh, the 2023 movie. Um, so it's an American film uh, directed by Rob Savage, who did uh, Host, I believe, right? During the pandemic, 2020, the uh, the found I footage. Think, I haven't looked it up, but I think that that's what I, I heard as well. Yeah, he might. I Which I love that movie. In between, but I don't remember exactly what it was. But I know I saw Host, and I really did like that one. I thought that was really solid found footage. Um, so the synopsis of this one: uh, High school student Sadie Harper and her younger sister Sawyer are still reeling from the recent death of their mother. They're not getting much support from their father, Will, a therapist who's dealing with his own intense pain. When a desperate patient unexpectedly shows up at their house seeking help, he leaves behind a terrifying supernatural entity that preys on families and feeds on the suffering of its victims. And this, of course, is based on the Stephen King short story of the same name. Um, I think one of King's most effective uh, short stories that I've read so far, at least. Um, So I think, first of all, I think I had the right expectations walking into this. I saw this with my son. Uh, he's kind of becoming my PG 13 horror buddy. Um, nice. At least if my, my wife doesn't want to (laughs) go, you know, we get a babysitter. (laughs) So, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, going to turn 11 next week. So, uh, he's, he's, he's able to take PG 13 horror. 
<laughs> now, I don't expect a lot from PG-13 horror. Uh, it's not the type of horror that... Or, sorry, I would say it is the type of horror that is generally trying to attack, attract... Treat, eh, I can't speak. Trying to <laughs> attract teens to the theater. Uh, like an audience that is looking for scares that usually does not have much horror background to be discerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually expect a gratuitous amount of jump scares, minimal characterization, and atrocious dialogue uh, from PG-13 horror. <laughs> but we've definitely had some gems in the past uh, that are PG-13. And I think that overall, PG-13 horror has greatly improved on average over the last few years. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that the more recent horror is that's PG-13 is introducing young horror fans to halfway decent examples of the genre um and i do think that this film is also a testament to that i think that this is one of those movies that does that uh it's not a great film not a great horror film but i think it is a really good horror film it's kind of like i think of it like prestige level popcorn horror you know it's like it's still in the end of popcorn horror film if you're a horror fan it's nothing you haven't seen before but it's done well you know i i I respect it it doesn't rely on cheap jump scares uh the scares are earned and they do well to create tension. Uh, it builds on mood and atmosphere, and it takes its time to flesh out its characters. It, it really invests the audience in the emotional drama of the family that's grieving for the loss of their loved one. And it's anchored, I think, by a really strong performance by Sophie Thatcher, who plays the teen protagonist. Uh, it builds up the boogeyman creature. Uh, and for the first two-thirds of the movie, it's a slow burn. And it doesn't reveal much. But in the last act, it kind of rewards the audience's patience by giving us some really fun creature set pieces. And it doesn't overexpose the creature. It's kind of got similarities to Lights Out. Uh, Mm. But I think this script is a lot stronger than Lights Out. Lights Out was a fun movie, but the script was pretty nonsense. Uh, Mm -hmm. It didn't make much sense at all. But this script is way stronger than Lights Out. But in a certain respect, they are very similar types of movies. But I think mm-hmm. this is actually a better one. Um, you know, and for all of that, I, I commend the film. Uh, I had a fun time with it. My son liked it. It's a movie that took a short story that's only a few pages long, and it created something that has dignity and respect for the source material. And I gladly reciprocate that respect. So uh, it's not, again, not a great horror film, but I think that it was solid and it was pretty good, and I wouldn't mind watching it again. So. Yay. Those are my thoughts on Boogeyman. I do want to see that one. And I'm glad that you said what you said about Sophie Thatcher because she's in uh, Yellow Jackets and she's one of my favorite um, characters in that. Or not even just character, but just her performance is one of my favorites in the show. So I want to see it even just for her. Um, but yeah, that that movie looks like it's going to be a good time. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah, no, it'll probably be better than a lot of the Tubi originals you've been watching. But oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a pretty I'm high bar. To, I'm trying to do what Mark does. You know, you watch a bunch of crap so that you can actually like tell how good good movies are. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, you, you have to remind yourself sometimes. And yeah, you sometimes like you do it palette. accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sometimes you walk into a film not expecting it to be as bad as it is. Right. Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting Children of the Corn to be good. I didn't think it'd be that bad. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> uh, that was, I think we had a pretty good, pretty good representation of movies and pretty good discussions here. 
Um, yeah. That is going to wrap up this episode of our Rotten, rotten Roundtable. Um, <laughs> so where can people <laughs> find you, Jessica? Oh, no. I forgot to put this up. Um, let me let me say the one I know off the top of my head. On Facebook, I'm Jessica Schmidt. And on um, Instagram, I'm amateur.destroyer. And on Twitter, I am at Amateur Destroya. And on Letterboxd, I'm Ashy underscore Slashy. Um, and I do now have a Threads. Um, but I think because it's connected to your Instagram, it should just be the same as your Instagram name. Yeah, so Amateur.Destroyer on Threads. Have you heard about this, no, I was this new say, social old. media Where's yet? Threads? Where's Threads? Threads is like Instagram's version of Twitter. Oh, is it competing against Elon Musk, basically? Yeah. Okay. Totally. But, you know, it's like, what's the lesser of the two evils, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On Facebook, I am uh, Vin Horcast. On Instagram, I am Revenant Vin. And on YouTube, I am Revenant Reads, uh, a booktube channel. And that's it. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, this is the Horcast, where it's all killer, no filler. Stay scared.